Hello, and welcome to Drawing and Dialogue. My name is Kathy G. Johnson. And I'm Remus Jackson. We are cartoonists, scholars, and educators. On Drawing and Dialogue, we put comics into historical, theoretical, and educational contexts. I work with K-12 students in schools in addition to alternative educational settings. I have three graphic novels out in addition to self-published works. I have a master's degree in art education. And I'm a PhD student in the University of Florida's English program. Uh, my research focuses on trans embodiment and experiment, uh, whoops, <laughs> on trans embodiment and experience in comics and zines and museum studies. I also make mostly self-published comics. And hi, everyone. This is episode 42. Um, it's titled Balance and Burnout. But really, this episode is going to be a conversation. Mm-hmm. I have written nothing except for like topics. <laughs> um, but this is just a conversation between me and Remus. Mm-hmm. So, um, which we've done in the past. We've It's been a minute since we've had like a conversational episode. But it's funny how... We have episodes once a month, and then we skip months occasionally. Mm-hmm. We have hiatuses um, because we want to make a podcast on our own terms and not stress ourselves out. Um, and so, even though we've had conversations like this, it was—it's probably like a year or more ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just by how often we put out episodes, so stuff changes mm-hmm. a lot. Um. So, like, mainly, I think, and I was thinking about this, uh, I listen to, like, history podcasts and, like, informational podcasts, and a lot of the times I, if the hosts don't talk about themselves, I get very suspicious (laughs) of them. (laughs) And I wonder, I'm like, what are your qualifications? Like, who are you? Mm -hmm. What is your goal? What is your agenda? Um... I think we do a, a pretty good job about talking about ourselves, but I think, I don't know. This is, I just wanted an episode. I wanted an episode like this. Yeah, no, I'm super down for this. Um, and here is the big question. I want, I want to interview you because I feel like you've gone through a lot of life changes uh, in the past year. Um, so I wanted to ask you uh, what, what has happened in the last year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, as I've mentioned, I think in, I've, as I always mentioned in the introduction, or since I have been there, I, you know, I'm a PhD student at UF. How long have you been there? Uh, every, it's a little wibbly wobbly now because of my situation, but, uh, I, this, this is my fourth year, the end of my fourth year. Okay. Right. I was thinking you were there for four years, yeah. three, four years. So yeah. three the coursework, uh, if you come in without a master's degree, which I did, you take you, your first three years are just courses. So I finished my coursework. Um, and by courses, you mean you are a student. Yes, so like I'm taking seminars um, mm-hmm. versus uh, the latter half of the of the timeline is just working on the dissertation. So you start off, you don't jump right into the dissertation. You start off um, by taking classes. I mean, some programs, every program is different. This is just how UF does it. Um, mm-hmm. And dissertation is you doing your own research. Right. So dissertation is a project that I develop and I uh, put together a committee of uh, professors that I think mm-hmm. would be good to work with and who makes sense for the project. 
Um, and then you and they're all professors at yes University of Florida, right? Yeah, like you have to. Okay. The, again, every school kind of has its own deal. My school, our committee is like it has to be at least two people from the English department. Like your advisor has to be in the department, and then you need one more mm-hmm. person from the English department, and then you need at least one person from a department outside of English, and then that last that like fourth slot can be either another person in English or another person outside. Um, just but still at you in your school not just like any person yeah, yeah okay yeah i mean i i i want i i'm sure that people have like done weird things where they bring in an outside person but yeah. the scheduling coordinating that i imagine would be really difficult <laughs> so mm-hmm. and also uh there's a little bit of like a labor thing there where like uh who's getting paid right like I mean, it's up to the professors to sort of, like, set their own boundaries around that. But technically, it's, like, Mm -hmm. the amount of labor you're asking. Like, they're balancing um, the number of students that they're advising. But anyway. um, Thanks. Yeah. No, it's good to talk about what a dissertation is, I think. (laughs) Because sometimes people don't know. (laughs) Um, So I I finished course. So... I'm going to put this in the context of COVID because I feel like so much is what have, what has happened, obviously for everyone, Absolutely. but like, especially in, in my yeah. case. So I, uh, I was in the middle of my second year when the pandemic of, like sort of began and we first went online and stuff. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. half of my time in coursework was spent, um, in sort of the COVID remote and, um, UF, uh, never handled that situation well um we did go remote very early but they never like they didn't really offer any because i was also teaching at the time right so i was also i I was a teacher and a student at the same time Mm -hmm. so i was getting it on both sides and uf never offered any guidance or resources (laughs) of any kind right uh to help with that transition um and their tagline like literally when you go to our to log into our learning management system uh, the tagline is just keep teaching which means nothing <laughs> but, like, um and this is another weird clarification so when you said your first three years if you enter grad school mm-hmm. or a phd program without a master's degree mm-hmm. your first three years are uh taking classes yourself yeah. but you're also teaching classes at the same time yes so uh, our stipend, um, the way it works is you get your tuition, your tuition is paid for, right, as being part of the program, and your your right. stipend, which is your annual salary, um, is earned through teaching. Um, okay. So I, uh, I have been, t- and the way that we don't have any, like, um, you know, every program is different. Sometimes you're not actually teaching, you're just, like, a teaching assistant and sometimes you're like a research assistant but like what we do is we actually are the lead instructor of courses so we do the syllabus we do the daily lesson plans we do handle like we're the full like teacher we just aren't like a professor um okay which is a little different from other programs actually it's not that not that common um so I was teaching I had to adapt my class to online and also I was in classes myself which Mm -hmm. uh I read this really interesting book um, for work recently called Digital Body Language um, that is about ha- like adapting in in a remote work. It's a for it's like a, a book for like work for like business. So it's like 
Mm-hmm. Ta- it's talking about how, like, you know, adapting to a remote work environment means that you can't, like, assume people understand how you communicate digitally because body language isn't a thing in digital communication, right? right? And, right. like, humans socially rely a lot on things like tone and stance and hand movement and stuff. And yes. I went into that book kind of expecting to be a little more critical of it because, obviously, there's some unspoken expectations about, like, what constitutes body language or, like... You know, and people are like, oh, eye contact, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, no, eye contact isn't the same for everyone. Um, right. But it was actually, like, very thoughtfully written. Um, the author is, a, is like, a, a first-generation uh, Indian-American. So she talked about how, like, she had to sort of, like, adapt culturally. So there's, like, a lot of good, like, cross-cultural. Mm-hmm. But also, like, I think, like, a lot of her points are right, just that, like, even in like a remote meeting where you can see people's faces, maybe, you know, cause people turn their cameras off and that's fine. But also like, right. just because someone's making an expression on camera doesn't mean that they're like reacting to what you've said or like it's hard. And there's like a weird, yeah, it's, it's delayed. It's delayed. That was a huge yeah. learning curve when yeah. I started teaching online is that, and I am really good at lesson planning, right? Like I am, I have a really good sense of like, we taught 50 minute blocks. So I have a really good sense of like in 50 minutes, this is the exact amount of things I can accomplish. Yeah. On zoom, everything takes twice as long. So when I first started teaching online, I would write lesson plans that made sense for in person and then get through half of it every time. (laughs) And I had to really learn like, okay, we can only really do like one thing (laughs) because you have to build in so much more time for the delay. Um, Yeah. Which was interesting. But anyway, all this to say that, like... So you uh, were teaching online. Mm-hmm. You spent uh, three years at University of Florida yes. teaching online and taking your own coursework. Yes. Okay, that's where we're that's at. That's where we're at. And I finished coursework, and um, while this was all going on, the University of Florida is, like, wildly mismanaging COVID. Um, I, 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 mm-hmm. I don't have time, frankly, to go into all the details. Um, but the... the yeah, and <laughs> we've, we've gone into it. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about remote learning and COVID and stuff this entire time. Yeah, so. and and UF basically yeah. just wanted to put us back in the classrooms too early and then, like, threatened to fire us if we refused to comply and, like, all of this, all of this. They were definitely covering up COVID data. Yeah. Like, there's all this, like, bad stuff. But, um, and it was a... V- uh, yeah, and it, it it was a very different experience from uh, my school right. and my experience. And it was... Um, and Which we have talked about. Yeah, and, and yeah. I, the reason I sort of am touching on it is because... It, pertaining to sort of the title of this episode um i spent a lot of time most of my time in my third year of coursework fighting fighting back against this right so like trying to work with our union trying to just like work with people in our department trying to like or mm-hmm. i'm not really an organizer like I- i'm not super good at it um but you know just trying to like organize or like support or like whatever i could do um which was v- you know like very emotionally exhausting on top of like still having to go to class and still having to teach right mm-hmm. and this is last year yeah. uh, this yeah. is t- end of 2020 through 2021 so a, a, a right. long amount of time just and, you know, like, I spoke, I, I was part of a group that spoke at, like, a board of trustees meeting, like, you know, all this stuff. And, like, I had already kind of been, um, I was already starting to be burned out because prior to COVID, I sort of took on too much department service. Um, and I was struggling with that. Department service, another thing you needed to find for Right. Us. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so department service is basically just, like, 
uh, there's like groups that are like student groups that do various like things that are sort of like good for academic your career right so like Mm -hmm. I was the president of the English Graduate Organization, which primarily was in charge of, like, orientation for the new grad students. But we also did, like, I planned an event series, um, Mm. you know, with my, like, board, obviously. And part of that job is also, like, you're supposed to, you, you sort of are, like, the mouthpiece for, you know, the English students. So, like, I was talking a lot to our then uh, graduate coordinator, who is a, which is an admin position that basically, like, oversees the graduate affairs pretty Mm -hmm. much straightforwardly and you weren't paid for this this is right so department service is unpaid and professors and graduate students are expected to do it so there's sort of Mm -hmm. the the way academia works is um you do a lot of unpaid work in the the slim hope that one day you will be tenured and then you will make a lot of money (laughs) uh Mm. because ten it, it depends on the school and stuff obviously at uf most of the tenure professors make over $100,000 a year for context. Which it actually isn't that crazy of a salary. It's not, no. But, like, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's better than I was making $17,000 a year. So it's <laughs> you can see the yeah. sort of discrepancy there. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, some schools pay more. Some school, It depends on, like, where you live and the cost of living in the area and stuff like that. But um, right. anyway... I was doing that. I was in the, I was the secretary of the graduate comics organization, which is our like student group that does the graduate comics conference every year, which is just a comic studies conference. Um, And we do some Mm -hmm. other, like there's a, you know, we do, I did some stuff for image text, which was our comic studies journal. Um, I was a steward for the union um, and a faculty at one point I uh, was also a, uh, I forget what the actual term for it is, but basically we have a parent, our our union is part of a parent union. So, Mm -hmm. right, there's like the Graduate uh, Assistance United Unions in Florida, and they're part of UFF, which is United Faculty of Florida, which is part of uh, the like Florida educators, the big Florida educators union. Um, Mm -hmm. So like I, I went to the like UFF hosted thing and like you just sort of sit in a bunch of meetings and then like vote as a member of the like vote on behalf of the graduate assistance union you're representing and stuff um Mm -hmm. so i was just doing like a lot of stuff (laughs) basically way too much stuff because i i hadn't i hadn't i've I've always been sort of bad at saying no to stuff especially if i want to do Mm -hmm. it and also my department um it's not great and it it was sort of a lot of like yelling at brick walls is what it felt like because i was i was trying mm. to i was genuinely mm. trying to be like we have these problems you know and and is the, you know there's like these things that are happening that are people are like really struggling with and like we can make it better and the thing that I, we sort of learned like me and my colleagues is that like if you bring something to the attention of the department admin um basically they'll be like wow no one's ever told us this before. Thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. And then, like, nothing happens ever, mm-hmm. right? And that's just the yeah. it, even if you know it's something that has been brought up before. So it, it was just like a very de- demoralizing experience. And then COVID started, and all of, and so then my attention really shifted to like you know trying to put us in a situation like trying to keep us from being sent back to the classrooms to die, which sounds really dramatic. But at one point, the the Florida it's had. 
really yeah. cr- bad rates. And also, at one point, the school literally said, we don't care if a student dies. We're not changing plans. And, yeah. like, if they don't even care if the students who are paying the tuition, like, they don't care about us because they have to pay us and they don't like that. But like, usually they're a little more mindful mm-hmm. of the graduates, of the undergrads, because they want their tuition money. So we were like, great, cool. And right. I had sort of figured out that I needed to leave. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And I originally my plan was to stay through through the end of my fourth year. Um I was doing a a mentorship fellowship, um, which is like your first year when you come in, if you don't have any teaching experience, you're paired with another new graduate student and like an older graduate student who's been in the program. So you can sort of like teach with them and learn. And so you're not just like thrust into the classroom by yourself. It's the closest we get to teacher training. Um, And I started to do that. But like, (laughs) I think the thing that broke me was... um, cases had we were going to be back in the classrooms no way around it there was no masking Mm -hmm. policy there was no quarantining policy uh testing wasn't mandatory anymore so we were like great this is going to go bad and then they were like uh the the dean of our our of class which is the college of liberal arts and sciences like the big umbrella department that i'm under was like Mm-hmm. We're going to pivot and do the first couple of weeks online just so that, like, students have a chance to get vaccinated and stuff. And we were like, great, cool. Then on that, this was announced literally, like, a week before classes were going to start. So they're like, you need to email all of your right. students right now and let them know, blah, blah, blah. And we were like, great. Yeah. The next day <laughs> at 7 o'clock at night on a Friday, mm. the president of the school, Ken Fuchs, emails us and is like, nope. You're going to be in person from the first day on. Mm. And I was just like, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> like, yeah. I was so burned out and miserable. Yeah. And um, then it just so happened that a, a friend of mine who works at JSTOR um, was hiring for their team. And at, at mm-hmm. the time, the job was still listed as, like, you relocate, like you would have to relocate to Ann Arbor. So I was just jokingly, like, oh, like, every time you post about these JSTOR jobs, I'm, like, so tempted. But I'm not, I couldn't move to, like, Michigan. And and right. they were, like, oh, just apply anyway. We're all remote right now. And we're not really sure how, like, we're probably going to be remote for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And I was, like, okay. Um, and that, and long story short, I now work at JSTOR. Um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and JSTOR, just real quick, tell us, tell anyone who doesn't know what it is. Uh, JSTOR is like a digital library, basically. It uh, is a database that hosts journal articles, book chapters, and increasingly a lot of primary source archival content um, and cool. schools. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, it's like the number one archival ac- academic yeah. uh, research uh digital platform yeah and uh anyone can like make an account and look at it there uh but institutions like subscribe specifically basically yeah because journals are expensive yeah. we talked about yeah, that journals are super expensive. a recent episode <laughs> called research yeah yeah um um so you uh applied to jstor yeah. and you got the job yeah. and then that sort of puts you in a position how much overlap did you have for teaching classes at uf mm-hmm. to uh your new gig i so i got the job in pretty like i found out that i had the job in like august i believe um and it was this year uh yeah well last sorry um you're talking to two you're listening to two uh teachers so like 
75% of the time when I say year, I'm referring to the academic, to the school yeah. year. Like this year is ending to me in my yes, head. Yeah. So, <laughs> so 20, uh, it would have been 2021, but yeah, the school year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And um, so I could have in theory dipped immediately, but I didn't want to, I, I, I wanted to like, I really wanted to do the mentorship thing, and I also didn't want the mentees. I had, right. you had to be in a weird position. You had a little obligation to uh, the new grad students who were coming. Yeah, in. so I was I opted to finish out the semester. So f- that's a whole semester. I basically taught and also worked. Um, but my onboarding was really like they do a really long onboarding in my department because um, it takes such a long time oh, at JSTOR. Yeah, in my department at JSTOR, um, mm-hmm. which is customer support to be clear um and um so i was able to they were pretty like i just sort of like ad- adapted my schedule um so that i could like cool. teach around that and yeah and then i finished teaching and i moved to texas promptly <laughs> yeah at the end of the semester yeah so you finished a, the first semester you finished teaching you worked at JSTOR, mm-hmm. and then over new year's eve yeah you moved from Florida to Austin. Yeah, because my uh, partner lives in Austin, so that was that that was the reasoning there. Wonderful. Yeah, so now I'm in Austin. Um, but even though you aren't a teacher anymore, mm-hmm. you are still a PhD student. Right. So the way I'm doing my dissertation is um, I'm finishing long distance because you don't the dis- the dissertation is a indep- like a self-driven project you aren't taking classes or anything so i don't have to physically be at uf um to work right. on it uh, unless you wanted access to like the library and crap like yeah. that like that's why would people would do right it. exactly but i work at jstor so that <laughs> sort of solved itself <laughs> it's, it's less of a problem and you don't need like primary sources like i have another friend who um is doing a dissertation on like on like spanish poetry yeah ross, ross we, there's ross an episode where here. we talked to ross <laughs> ross has been here the audience knows ross um and so he has to have all this access to um spanish language uh stuff um that can be more difficult without access to um libraries yeah so in my case i just uh was able to i had this sort of like other resource because uh, but also i don't think i could have d- the reason I like left without like dropping out is because I was able to do this on my own terms at a distance. Right. I don't think I could have stayed in Gainesville and also finished. So I'm still doing my dissertation. I haven't, I'm taking my exam in the fall. Uh, and the exam is like, um, you basically, again, it's sort of like every institution does it differently, but basically the exam is the final step before you start actually like just doing the whole dissertation. And that's sort of where you like present the idea that you have to the committee so that they can be like, yeah, this is good. You can. So it's not like a test. Right. It's like a presentation. Yeah. Um. And my school doesn't, some schools make you do like a reading thing where you have to like read a certain number of books and then they like ask you questions about them and stuff, but we don't do that. So all I have, to, I'm presenting a prospectus, which is basically like a pitch, right? That just sort of like outlines the idea. And then I, I'm mm-hmm. going to, I write a chapter as an, like a demo, basically. So they read the chapter, they read the prospectus, and then they talk to me about it and be like, have you thought about this? Like, would you do this instead? Like that kind of stuff. Um. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I am what they call ABD, which just means all but dissertation. 
Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it is cute. And then I just work on the dissertation. And um, normally, like if you are at UF and teaching, you have a six-year funding clock. So after six years, they can't guarantee you funding anymore. But since I am, I have a job and I am sort of working on this at my own pace, long distance, uh, I can kind of take as long as I want. Yeah. Do you get money for working on your PhD? No, not anymore. Okay, so you're just working on a PhD for the sake of having a degree. Uh, degree. Yeah, and I spent a long time thinking of- And you know, because the PhD is research that you care about. Yeah, that's the main thing. Because <laughs> I, I spent a long time, like, I don't technically need it. Like, I have a master's now. Um, I'm not in a career path where I need to have a PhD now. Like, uh, what kind of career path would that be? Uh, teaching. Tenure. Tenure, yeah. To, to be a tenure professor, to be a professor- yes. A lot of the time you need a terminal degree, yes. which is a PhD uh, for a lot of things, and then MFA for, like, arts stuff. Right. And um, and there's some, like, high-level, like, research positions or whatever. But in humanities, honestly, the only reason you need a PhD is if you want to be a professor. <laughs> um. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're right. We're talking about humanities. Yeah, it's the humanities. It's like, to do, like, it's very specific. to be a doctor. <laughs> yeah, you would need a doctor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Versus. Fair. Yeah, because, like, even museum work and stuff, it's pretty rare. Because, you know, I, 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 I am interested in museum stuff, but it's pretty rare for people to have PhDs in the museum world. Um, but, so I kind of did think for a long time of, like, do I actually want to finish this project or do I want to just walk away clean? Because I could. I have a master's degree. Like, it would be fine. Right. But I do really like my project. Um, and I want to, like finish it on like my own terms right yeah and so Mm -hmm. i feel like and my and the nice thing about it is that like i also am like if i ever reach a point where i'm like this is no longer fulfilling for me to work on i can just stop because it's not tied to like my salary right Mm -hmm. um which is what i wanted i think was that like freedom because you don't actually have a lot of freedom in grad school like it's you're in like a very weird position where like you're an adult and you're working independently but you are still a student and in a lot of ways like you're kind of controlled by the school like your schedule and stuff like that is kind of controlled by the school to be a student is to be humble (laughs) a thing that ross told me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be humbled constantly by your department's bad policies. <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel like I that I ended up talking way longer than I meant to <laughs> about this. Oh no, that's exactly what I wanted to talk to you about mm-hmm. because I, I think because um, we had been talking when we did the research episode when you presented your research episode, it felt like you were coyly not saying you worked at JSTOR and we were like talking about JSTOR. So I was like, oh, is this a secret? And then I talked to you about it and you were like, nah, nah it's not a secret. <laughs> and then I was like, well, we should let people know that you like a fundamental thing. Yeah. Because if this podcast is about academic scholarship, we're talking about schools. That's something that we care about a lot. Then we can share that you aren't a student anymore yeah. and you aren't a professor anymore. Yeah, no, I think right? I think I just am a I, I do tend to be more private, but it it it, it 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 I don't actually it's not like a it isn't a secret. I mean me too. Yeah, it's like not a secret. <laughs> like you could probably find out pretty easily online that I <laughs> that I work at JSTOR, so you know. Um yeah. if you ever email JSTOR support, you might get an email from me. Hey. <laughs> Aww, I love that. Um, um so I wanted to 
ask you. Mm-hmm. So um, you mentioned that you had felt burned out. Yeah. Um, did you want to talk about, I think people might be really interested in what burnout can look like yeah. um, in an academic way. Because um, I think that's something that a lot of people either don't know if they aren't like necessarily diagnosed with it or anything like that um but feel that way i mean covid was really difficult for a lot of people who work in schools uh both students and staff um so if you want to talk about what burnout was like for you yeah um i mean i was depressed probably the fall of 20 uh the fall of no the spring of uh 20 21 which feels backwards to me Mm. because of how time works but like a year ago yeah like a year ago basically my my last year in coursework Mm -hmm. i was really deeply depressed um you know i i am a person with um a history of like mental health stuff and i i talk Mm -hmm. i think i've like mentioned that i'm pretty public about that but um I, that was like, I think the most depressed I had been in my life, um, to a point where I did at one point, like consider preemptively hospitalizing myself. Mm. And I, you know, I was still like, and I, I, I I just was really like struggling because it felt so like overwhelmingly hopeless because, you know, like it felt like there wasn't any option except to sort of like try to fight against the university. But at the same time, like I knew that there wasn't really a point because they weren't list, like they weren't going to listen. Like there was nothing we could do to change their minds short of like a strike. And that is illegal in Florida. Um, It's a right to work state. The labor laws in Florida are really, yeah. Yeah. So our union was never going to commit to that. Mm-hmm. And, and and I don't blame them, but that's just what the situation was. And and so it was like this really like frustrating, hopeless sort of situation of like not being able to change anything and, and not really ha- knowing how to get out of that situation. Um, and, you know, I, at that time, I wasn't even sure, like, did I want to be in academia? Because I also struggle, like, I struggle with academia ethically and like sort of mm-hmm. what was being asked of me to ethic, like in, in an ethical way. Um mm-hmm. And uh, so just like, but like, you know, in terms of like other things, like besides the depression, just like really, I'm like always tired. I'm pretty chronically tired. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was like bone deep tired, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, and just like really numb to a lot of stuff, Uh, like very like detached in a lot of ways Um, and unable to really like focus or work Um, that's like I think a big part of it is that like it's really hard to produce anything when you're in that state Mm -hmm. so like writing like drawing right like none of that I could like even if it wasn't related to school I just couldn't and I ended up like like I had gotten an abstract accepted to a special issue of gay and lesbian uh, quarterly which is like a really big deal um and i was like really excited about that and i ended up having to walk away from it because i just like couldn't bring myself <laughs> to do any writing mm-hmm. you know even the like bare minimum that was expected of me in my seminars i think that semester i didn't actually do any writing i had just like teachers that were pretty accommodating <laughs> and let me kind of get mm-hmm. away with it so you couldn't even do writing you wanted to yeah 
that you were excited to yeah do. i couldn't do any of it and eventually i realized um a, a big part of it for me personally was anger um which is an emotion that i have historically struggled with and been like oh i don't feel anger i'm not an angry person <laughs> um mm-hmm. that's it turns out that's wrong um and so I, I think, like, I finally had figured out that, like, the reason it took me, it, it took me a really long time to be able to write anything academically again because, and even now I still sort of struggle with it, because um, the idea of producing anything that the University of Florida could then point to and be like, look at how good our graduate students are, you should come here, yeah made me so, like, incandescently angry that I just physically could not write. Yeah. And now I am slowly starting to like do writing stuff again, but it's only because I am like not there. <laughs> and I am like, you don't get to have this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, I think that was a, just like a, a lot of like a very like emotional and physical um, toll. Uh, and again, that's sort of like the, the not being able to create thing, which I think is something that is like especially hard if you are a, like for me, it was especially hard as a person who is always like, been a creator of some court sport like you know like yeah. i'm an artist and like you know i'm I'm not like a writer per se i don't actually like writing that much compared to other things but um i have always done it and i've always been good at it so it, it, not being able to like do that was very like difficult for me emotionally also mm-hmm. because like so much of my self-worth was also tied to my ability to produce stuff yeah. And it's like, well, if I can't even do that, right? <laughs> and like teaching mm, was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still think I did. I, I taught one of my favorite classes during that time period, but it was, you know, a Zoom class and like. Which we are going to do an episode on. Yeah. Yeah. I taught. Not the class, but the topic. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> as a sneak peek, I, I taught a class, a special, my last uh, special topics class, which is basically like the, it, there's a couple of courses that you you can like write a proposal and pitch it. And if they pick you, you get to like teach on that. You get to like teach the class around that subject. And so I did a, a course on art and activism during the sort of like period of the HIV AIDS crisis in the U.S., which. Mm-hmm. For the purpose of the course, I focused on, like, the traditional sort of, like, 80s into the early 2000s as opposed – not to say that it's not still ongoing, but, like, those are sort of the, like, peak. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, not being able to create, you know, not just being really, like, low down. And you and do you feel like uh, moving was the answer? Yeah, I think it's not the, it's not the thing that works for everyone, right? Um, in yeah. my case. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was not what I was implying. Oh yeah, no, I just that was a universal truth. Super, no, I just want to clarify. You, when you move, <laughs> you uh, you are still the same person no matter where. You right? Go. Yeah, totally. <laughs> In my case, um, Gaines. I actually like Gainesville as a town quite a bit, but there's nothing. It's really Gainesville is pretty dominated by the University of Florida. Um, it's a very small mm-hmm. town. Most of most of the population is UF. Um, so most of the like town is sort of coordinated around UF's whims. UF holds a lot of power that kind of goes unchecked. Like we literally had city commissioners protesting with us because they did not have the power to stop what UF was doing. Um, yeah, it's not great. So staying in Gainesville, even if I wasn't going to campus at all, like it wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to get away from UF itself. And I really needed right. the physical distance between me and the school. And, you know, there's, like, stuff I miss. I miss my friends that were there. I miss um, some, like, business, like, some places I used to hang out, right? But, like, Mm -hmm. I, 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 when I moved to Gainesville in the first place, I was sort of coming, like, I didn't really, 
know anyone or anything so i hadn't you know like i wasn't like super entrenched in the city to start with it's a very transient city most people don't stay there longer than the four years that they're there for school uh undergrad or whatever so like and yeah the professors are the ones who would be yeah. consistent professors right? and obviously then like locals um but most again the population is mostly like students who aren't there very long so yeah so I, it's it it worked for me <laughs> because i needed the physical distance yeah. and it was a thing where like pre-pandemic even especially because obviously during the pandemic we couldn't travel very much but it was this thing where every time i left gainesville i would feel so much lighter and like happier mm. and then i would come back and immediately be miserable again <laughs> and you grew up in florida yes. we don't need to talk about your childhood because that's not what this is <laughs> but you grew up there so yeah. in theory there it, would you would you say that like like, if I had tried to move to Minnesota right now, it would have a lot of weight yeah. to it for me. Yeah, I mean... W- Which is like when you were talking about going moving to Michigan, and I was like, don't you dare. I know, it's so funny. You're so, like, <laughs> anti the idea of me moving to Michigan. <laughs> Detroit seems cool. That's all I'm saying. Um, I mean, here's the thing. I'm sure it's all cool. It's just baggage. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're saying Florida is a bad place. Oh, no. I mean, I am fully saying Florida is a bad place. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't know if we're interested in here. Sure. Like, you know, like, like, I I, I hope everyone understands that we are not binary thinkers. Oh, yeah. No. No, yeah. and, and 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 I so when I I grew up in Florida, like Kathy said, I grew up in South Florida, which is very different from North Florida. Yeah, right. um, mm-hmm. and when I left, I didn't plan on coming back, <laughs> so it was a it was right. a bit of a plot twist for me to sort of be moving back in the first place. Um, <laughs> and I and I will say again, like I grew up in Florida, I have been to most places in Florida. Gainesville is my favorite place in Florida. Like, oh, it's it's nice. a really sweet town. It's like around the uf is terrible but like the people that live there and like it's a good community it's just uf is so bad i always wanted (laughs) yeah i always wanted to come visit you but i mean the pandemic hit after like a year i I didn't have the opportunity yeah so i didn't know i was gonna have to rush we were were, were like for like six years or something so much time and then there was a whole panty and so uh and so but yeah it, it i needed the distance and i needed to be able to process in a place that felt safe um and you like Gainesville did not feel safe right and and did you have help working on your burnout yeah I I had a dissertation coach for a mm-hmm. little over a year I believe um he was I met him through a trans PhD Facebook group I'm in um which if you are a a, a trans person in academia you can look up trans PhD is what I think the group is called mm. Um, and you'll find it pretty easily. That's cool. Yeah. And, and he, he kind of just like I was advertising that group that he was starting like on the side, this like dissertation coaching um, where where he was interested in working on like the emotional impacts and like strategies for mitigating that as opposed to like a lot mm-hmm. of dissertation coaching is like writing advice. Right. Which obviously makes sense, but I didn't need. And so I reached out to him and I was just like, I'm not technically on my dissertation yet, but I'm deciding if I want to do it or not because I'm so miserable. <laughs> and he was just right. like, you know what? Figuring out if you want to do a dissertation is part of the dissertation process. (laughs) (laughs) So I worked with him for a long time and he was very helpful. Um, He no longer disc coach on the side anymore, which I was Mm -hmm. very sad about, although I feel like I'm in a better position than I was um, thanks to him. So 
you know, I had his support. I had like friends, my colleagues um, who were going through similar things. Obviously, we all did our best to take care of each other. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think I think I didn't have uh, I started. I also have I've had I've had therapists pretty consistently for most of my adult life. I didn't have a therapist mm -hmm. for like a long time in Gainesville just because um our insurance was pretty spotty and it was really hard to find someone who I could like go, go mm -hmm. to and afford. Um I did my last like 5 months in Gainesville, I did finally find like a therapist who I loved and has like really changed my life. Um and I was very sad to leave him behind, mm. but I worked with him a lot on the like repressed anger. Um that I was feeling about the school. Oh. So like between him and my coach, I had, I sort of like figured out and I feel like I got set up to sort of like process. And I have a, th a different therapist now who I like a lot. So kind of just continuing cool. that work. Yeah. Right. Cause burnout takes a while yeah. to, yeah, it, you can't, you don't get over. That's a stupid way of putting it. But yeah. You know, like it's not, it's not a switch. Right. It's not like a, you take a week off and sleep and you're better again. Although I wish it was. <laughs> Right. Like, I feel like it should be. Um, but it it does take, like, I'm still, I'm in a lot better place now than I was, but it definitely, I'm still in recovery um, in a lot of ways. I'm happy to hear that you're in a better place. Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely doing a lot better. I'm so happy for you. You're doing <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, it's great. It's really nice. I love my job a lot because it is yay i mean it's it's a nice job but it's also not very stressful because I, like i love it's customer support i like customer support obviously dealing with customers is weird but like it's an academic database so it's not a particularly high pressure customer support support right. position right totally um and we my team is really good about like work-life balance and like having hard boundaries with work and it's just really nice to have something that i can like I'm an hour behind everyone, so I can turn it off at 4 p.m. And then just, like, I'm done. And I don't have to think about it again <laughs> until the next mm -hmm. day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. you don't get that. Compartmentalize, right? Yeah, and you don't get to compartmentalize in academia. Everything belongs to the institution. Yeah. You're not really, like, even, you know, and there's ways that are, like, pretty, like, opaque and malicious. Um, like, in the, like, you know, getting emails from professors at 2 a.m. or whatever, like typical bad boundary stuff. But then there's just like, if you're, especially in like humanities or like in my field, which is very like media studies, kind of like cultural studies, that kind of thing, anything you do or see or read right. can become a project. And it's, you can't, you're not <laughs> taught how to turn that off. In fact, you're kind of encouraged not to, right? Because you want to always sort of be like right. harvesting and extracting for potential papers. Which, which is, I feel like I do that. Yeah. Like you're, there's a, there, the people who get into this are kind of minded that yeah. way where you're like, why is this like this? I'm, I, I'm asking questions. Yeah. I'm curious about life, but you don't want it to feel like work. Right. And there's the a difference time. between like, like I have a whole mental book written about like, discipline and performance and reality television like i love watching reality television and thinking about this i don't want the school mm. to own that i don't want the institution to uh. own that and when you are at the institution everything you do belongs to the institution oh and it, and that was really that to me was unbearable <laughs> like yeah. not being i mean yeah i mean it sounds uh unbearable yeah, so uh, the other part of the title was balance, mm -hmm. which it sounds like you have now with your job. You're like able to, and you're present. Yeah. That's the thing that I think is really important when we're talking about balance is you're present in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like you're present at work. And then when you're done with work, 
you are you're done yeah. right highly recommend balance highly recommend yeah and i think we yeah. talked about this a little bit when you were like pitching this episode to me of like <laughs> being in a place where you're sort of like figuring out what's important to you um yeah like i'm a young person i started grad school when i was 25 i am now 20 i am mm-hmm. now 29 so like part of it is just like i am a bit older now <laughs> and, like mm-hmm. but i am still young right so i'm still figuring stuff out um i think it was really helpful for me to work with the professionals that i had access to right so therapy my disc coach um, I saw mm-hmm. a wellness coach at UF for a while pre-pandemic, and she was also very helpful. Her job was just like wellness in her case meant like helping with like if you had issues with sleep or like organization, not eating. like making a smoothie with chaos. Right. Yeah. Way. So more just like overall well-being as opposed to like mm-hmm. specifically like mental health stuff that a therapist might do or like right. diet, exercise, nutrition, that kind of stuff. Yeah, wellness can mean something. Else. Right. That's not what you're referring to. Yeah, wellness to. can not mean like, like a million industry things. Of wellness. Yeah. Yeah. Not like goop. Right. No. <laughs> she she was the person that helped me understand that um I sleep bad when my room is messy because it's overstimulating, which hadn't occurred to mm. me in like 25 yeah. years of life. So, um, you know, I was lucky that I had resources that I that I could that sort of helped a lot with like learning how to set boundaries, um, learning how to say no to stuff, because that's always been mm-hmm. hard for me is I'm a big at over, I'm a big overcommitter. And I feel like, uh, so the, the things that were like the most important for me were to be able to set boundaries um, and set boundaries with my own time. Because I, um, what I started doing with my disc coach is he calls them containers. So I call them containers where like, oh yeah, I have set containers in the week where I do work for academia and they're really small. Uh, I read mm-hmm. for 10 minutes on Thursday and then I write for 20 minutes on Sunday and that's it. And wow. par- part of that is that he was like, we, we, I needed to learn what my actual capacity was and not what I was pushing myself to do because right. my understanding of my capacity was very much not like what actually felt good for me, but like what I felt like I needed to accomplish in order to meet an ableist idea of productive, right? Yeah, and I think this is a conversation. Was it the our conversation about disability? Yeah. Our episode where we talked about um, when you're in school, you're pushed. Yes. You're pushed. You're pushed in school, but then you're supposed to stop, mm-hmm. right? But then we get stuck in the fact that we, I am capable of staying up all night and finishing an essay. I am capable. I know I can do this. Mm-hmm. Right. But that actually isn't supposed to be the way we live our entire lives. Right. And if we do that at school, right, like it's not healthy to be be doing at school. But I I think like personally, I do like, um, you know, I think there's a healthy way to be like, this is a project that's important to me. I'm going to spend more time on it. But you need to be able to make those decisions. Right. It it has to be a freedom thing. You know, I I, I stopped I stopped pulling all nighters actually in undergrad because Anytime I had to, I would be so sick the next day I missed class. And I finally was. So what's the point? Right. I was just. If you're, if you're missing the cast you, class, you were. Yeah. So I just finally I, gave I mean, up on it. I was like, this yeah. is clearly not a thing that works for me. And st- I will just yeah. finish my work on time and then go to sleep. <laughs> like, yeah. And we get and we get brainwashed. And I mean, it does have a lot to do with. Oh, yeah. Uh, capitalism exploiting oh, labor. Yeah. It, it I does. mean, I had a professor um, in undergrad that told us if we weren't doing all nighters, we weren't doing it right. 
which is not true. Yeah. I've never done it. Yeah, I've never done an all-nighter mm-hmm. ever in my life. I wasn't able. Yeah. I I can't do it. And now I definitely can't because I'm about to turn 33. Yeah. No, a sleep hygiene <laughs> is a thing that I am like so deadly serious about. <laughs> but like... even even spending all day, mm-hmm. even spending all day working till nine o'clock, ten o'clock, mm-hmm. it's 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 not the way that we should be doing right. our. Uh, the boundaries we need need boundaries boundaries. and i didn't you know i needed to learn how to set those boundaries because part of it was i mean part of it was obviously like you were expected to do that kind of labor but part of it was that like i had internalized that right and i was like no i can do all this stuff and it's like no you actually you feel terrible all the time so you actually can't like (laughs) right so i exactly so we we started with really tiny i think we started with like five minute container like one because i needed to just like we needed to go drastically under and work up so that I could actually feel what was realistic for me. And mm-hmm. I could probably do more time-wise than I'm doing now, but I have kept it that way because what I have actually found out is that, one, I'm not thinking about it the rest of the time because I know in my head that it's like, okay, this is the day where I have to worry about doing this work, right. which has freed up a right. lot of brain space. Because that allow that so you you have balance. Right. You're like, I don't need to worry about this thing. I know when I'm going to do it, yeah. and now your other time because we have finite time in life um now your other time is freer and feels yeah and then the other thing is annoyingly i actually remember way more (laughs) of what i'm reading when i read it in like (laughs) tiny chunks because in grad school you're reading like 500 pages a week for seminars like the the reading is and you're not actually like the thing they don't tell you the secret you learn is that no one actually does all the reading and you're not expected to um it's just like a weird culture thing so but when I read like 15 pages of a book, I will remember it as if, if I tried to read the whole book in one day, I will not remember it. Right. So even though I like, and, and it, it, it's scary sometimes, like I still do get anxious, like, oh no, I'm not doing enough, blah, blah, blah. Like I feel like I'm behind, but then I look and I'm like, you can actually get a lot done in 20 minutes if it's the only thing you're doing in that 20 minutes because you have marked it off. Right. And so like, I am making like great progress in these like tiny chunks whereas i was making terrible progress when i was trying to when like every day i was like i need to sit down and do this and then i would just like stare at my computer for hours yeah i i love that Mm. i love hearing that i mean i think i was like gasping at 20 minutes i mean this is the thing (laughs) right i feel like i waste not waste a lot of time i i think transition can be hard for people yes. right like where you're like transitioning from one task to yeah. another task there's a certain amount of transition time mm-hmm. you need to do but then also now that i'm thinking about it school i'm a teacher so some days i'll have a meeting uh lunch uh three classes and then i uh, another meeting right i'll have like a thing where i have like seven things that I need to do in a day and each thing is like an hour roughly an hour right and you can't accomplish it all um and there's no transition time. right it's it's very present yes. right you show up and you're like look at your schedule this is what I'm doing right now and then I do it mm-hmm. right so it's interesting being able to treat your own personal time and creating your own personal schedule in that same manner where you're like I am confident in who I am mm-hmm. and that I will be able to do this without needing uh, some transition time in between. Yeah. And I, um, I mean, I'm pretty, because of the way that my um, brain works, I 
sometimes I have to skip. Like, you know, sometimes I just take, or like, I technically have like set times, but I'm fiddling with those times that they still work for me. Uh But like, and I think that's the other part of it too, right? Is that like, we had to really, I think I had to really work on is like setting these boundaries and like trying this stuff, but also not punishing myself if it didn't work. Right. Because like, I think that's a pretty... It's a common thing for me, but I've heard, based on my conversations with other people, I feel like that's pretty common of like, you're like, I'm going to set aside this time to do something. And then if it doesn't happen for whatever reason, you're like, I've wasted it. Like, I'm terrible, blah, blah, blah. Um, Yeah, I I think I've been thinking a lot about um, things being morally neutral. Yes. Like, you aren't bad right like it isn't a bad thing yeah we 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 have a sort of like i feel i have very strong feelings about this because i do feel like there's sort of like a cultural obsession with things being morally good or bad and it's like things just are you just do stuff or you don't are and it's not like you're not a bad person (laughs) if you like yeah what would i what was i i was talking about plants the other day i i just planted a bunch of vegetables Mm -hmm. in my uh on my porch and I was just like, if the plant dies, that's morally neutral. I haven't. Like, yeah, no, that's so, literally I, I had a bunch of seedlings that died because it was really cloudy for like a week and a half um, and they couldn't get the sun they yeah. needed. And I felt like the worst person alive. And I, I know, it, but it's like they aren't living beings that have been. They are living, but they aren't like they don't have a good nervous right, system. It, so you aren't like hurting. And also, it was like it was because it didn't have any. We had no sun for a week. I didn't. Per, I didn't go yeah. out and bleach them. Like we are not God, <laughs> <laughs> right? No. But honestly, even if you were neglectful to a potted plant and it died, it doesn't mean you're a right. Bad it's just it's fine. It just doesn't because <laughs> it's not actually. You can compost it. You can get those nutrients back into the earth. Mm-hmm. It's like totally fine. It's they they are plants are different than like a cat or a right. dog and, uh, that you should be. And similarly, care of. if you don't do work that you had planned for yourself that day, you are not a bad, right. a morally bad person. It's a morally neutral action. Right. <laughs> like, right. It's fair to be like you know, like I I want I want this is something I wish I had done because sure. I wanted to have done it because then then you you do it. Yeah another time yeah and and, and like i want to go back to that example of the um the example i gave of pulling walking away from that gay and lesbian quarterly article was really difficult for me because it felt yeah it was a big deal to get accepted i remember you talking about this this is like about trans embodiment yeah i was the article was about uh abo comics or abo comics oh right um Right. And it was really, and it was a big, it felt like a really big deal for me to get, you know, like, obviously, you don't go into grad school if you don't like academic validation. <laughs> so, like, obviously, the academic validation was, like, really nice for me as a person. Um, yeah. And, but, like, I, and I really wanted to make it work. I just, because you know, because of my disabilities, because of how burned out I was, I couldn't in the time frame that I had. And so I finally, when I finally had to pull out and I notified this, the editors, they were really nice about it. And they actually said something that was like, um, this isn't your fault. It's ours because we can't like accommodate you in the way we need, which was really a really powerful like reframing for me. Um, because I, you know, obviously like, I felt like hideously guilty for not being able to like do mm-hmm. this thing that I had been like invited to. But having it framed as like, it's actually the fault of the system for not being able to like support the fact that you need extra time because like you know the journal has like deadlines and stuff basically was really like powerful for me and then 
I got the one of the editors reached out to me like a year later and asked me if I wanted to apply for a conference that they're hosting. So I'm going to this like cool. abolition conference now in September. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, assuming that it's safe to travel then. But and 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 so all that to say that like like I like Kathy talking about how like the plant can be comp- composted. Like Aww. I wasn't able to do that article, but like that idea still like resonated and like that person thought the idea wasn't dead yeah and now i'm giving Mm -hmm. like a slightly different version of it as a talk and like that's amazing mm -hmm. so i feel like that's like something that i've really been trying because i've always been a person that um i love to start things i have like the adhd novelty thing where i like i love to come up with ideas and like play in the space and start stuff and i'm not good at finishing stuff Mm. And I'm trying to differentiate for myself between between stuff where I'm like, I want this to be like a finished product that I like can like show people or whatever. And like, I am playing. This is me like playing with an idea. And that's important also. But I don't need to pressure myself to be like, like, oh, I have all these ideas for fan fictions and I've never will never write them. And I'm a bad person (laughs) instead of just being like, I am playing in the space of this idea because it feels good to my brain. And then I will move yeah. on from it, and it's fine. You know, I was uh, there was a a screenwriter that I follow on TikTok who was like uh, talking about like ideas and how uh, a lo- people who aren't writers uh, will have an idea and they're really precious with the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but a writer who's working who's a working writer was like, "Oh, you don't like that idea? I'll have another idea, and I got another one, and I got another <laughs> one because I'm I'm the writer." Mm-hmm. Right. Like I'm not beholden to the idea. The 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 idea is not the uh what's valuable. I'm what's valuable. Yeah. Oh no. That reminds me of a Stanley quote. Oh. <laughs> where he's like, people will always ask me who would win in a fight, Hulk or Spider Man. And he was like, Whoever he'll I'll, whoever wins is the one that I write wins. <laughs> like, it's right. Like, whose power is stronger, who's like superhero, whose superpower is better. It's like who I decide would win. Exactly. Would win. <laughs> I feel like that's a, as, for me, that's a healthier way to think about um, writing and stuff too, because I don't want to. Yeah. And I think, and I, this is something we're, we're at like an hour and um, that was about when. I think I wanna I wanna sure. wrap it up, but this is something that is important that I think we should talk about. We are both cartoonists, mm-hmm. right? I say it every time in the intro, and I have to say cartoonists, <laughs> <laughs> and I work really hard to make sure it's clear. But I hit all the because I do want to say it correctly. Are we making comic books? Yeah. Like, are we? What are we doing? Are we cartooning right now? Are you making a comic? I actually am. Um, so, Yay. which is it's the first I haven't made a comic since like 2017, mm-hmm. maybe 2018. I don't remember because again, you know, burnout. It was just not happening. It was not going to happen. Um, and I one of the first things actually after I got the J store job and I kind of like was like, oh, these paths are open to me that weren't open before. I like sat down and wrote something. <laughs> And um, yeah. And I'm, I I've been working on it like very slowly, chipping away at it, and like learning to be okay with being slow about it. Um, I mean, and to be fair to yourself, you were doing like pitches, weren't you? Do it working on pitches? yeah. I and I am still working on a pitch. Um, 
I have to, I'm in the stage where I have to start thumbnailing and stuff for that. So, but, but I, I didn't mm. touch it for a couple of years because again, I was so like, so I've been slowly coming back to that. I'm, you know, and the comic I'm working on right now is like, I'm very much practicing not overthinking. So like, I'm, because I tend to like get too in my head with that kind of stuff. And that's also why I don't finish stuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I'm just sort of like going through it. And I'm like, if it doesn't turn out great, that's fine because I did a thing and I learned from it. Totally. And what about you totally. though? Yeah. I mean, I've had since 2019, I've had a pitch out in the world and like publishing is just such a weird mm -hmm. beast. Like they'll take months, if not years, just to tell you they don't want something. Um, and it just, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay. Because I needed to, I need my value as a human being to not be tied to creating some one specific right. thing, right? Um, um, if you want to be a published author, mm -hmm. you need to be okay with it taking a long yeah. time. Because that's just what it is. So if you want books, if you want books out in a bookstore with a thing, it just takes a long time. Yeah. Sometimes it's quick. And, but a lot of the time, this is just a lot of patience. Um, and so I just needed to learn how to be okay with yeah. that. Um, but I still am hungry for it, right? Like, I, I, like I, I love being a teacher. I love, I'm a printmaker. I love making screen prints. I love all this stuff. But, like, at my core, I want to be an author. Right. You know, like, I want to be making books. So it is exhausting to have to be patient. <laughs> Um, it is. It takes energy no, yeah. for me to no, be No, totally. I get that. And so I've had a pitch that's been like out there ready since April 2019. I remember it very vividly. And um, it's finally I have a contract with a book publisher, but it hasn't been signed. I'm still waiting for stuff, so mm -hmm. I can't announce anything. But yeah, so that it's been three years for this book. But in the meantime, I have created, I don't know four pitches i've just been like a pitch machine yeah. just like making pitches doing a whole bunch of uh sample pages for those pitches so i've been drawing comics but not any and i've been writing them like this pitch is like it's it's for like a 400 page graphic novel sure. and it's like fully written like i've written scripts i've written comics i've been drawing comics and i haven't been able to show the public any mm -hmm. stitch of it <laughs> I've, there's been plenty of internal people who've seen it, um, but I haven't been able to show um, people who aren't like my best friends. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's just a, it's a bummer. Yeah. And like trying to find that like balance, mm -hmm. uh, as the title suggested, is um, my uh, New Year's resolution this year was actually balance. Mm. To, oh, it was easy balance. So basically, like, I feel like I had gotten to the point where everything was pretty balanced. I liked my job. I liked what I was doing at home. I liked the creative projects I was working on. I liked my friends. I liked, you know, like I had all the things that I wanted. Friends, community, uh, work that I feel valuable is valuable. Mm -hmm. Stuff that I'm doing for my community. Like all the things that I think are really valuable. Yeah. I feel like I had it all. And, but I just wanted it and i feel like it was balanced because i feel like i wasn't overwhelming myself sure. but i just wanted it to be easier mm. which is like an interesting step like that was the step i wanted 
in 2022 was I wanted the the balance of doing all these things to not be stressful. I just wanted to be like, hey, now I'm at work, going to do a good job at work. Now I'm doing this community meeting, want to do a good job and show up for this. Now I'm going to go do this. And I wanted it to be very chill. I just wanted to be like a chill person. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, and I think it, I've done a pretty good yeah, job. And I, I feel like that's a really good for, I, I've known you for some time, Um, I would say. Yes. And I feel like that makes a lot of sense for you as a like goal. Because, I mean, I feel like you've always been very good at time management. And um, mm. you've always, at least to me, you've always seemed to have like a really solid sense of like what you want to get out of what you do. Um, yeah. But I, I, uh, I feel like it makes sense to reframe that around like, now make it easy. <laughs> make it easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing is like. I honestly, it, it, in the past year, a lot of people are quitting their jobs. A lot of people are moving. A lot yeah. of people are like, this is, I need to do these big changes. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of stressing me out because I was like, I think I like everything that I have. <laughs> but then I was doubting myself. I was like, do I want to quit? Ugh. Like, you know, like, I don't mm -hmm. know. But then I was like, I actually think I really like everything. Yeah. I just, I just need it to work out. I need it to work better. For yeah. Me. Like I need, I want it to, I want to be happy all day. Um, I don't want things to be stressful. I want to be chill. Mm -hmm. I want to be relaxed. These are the things that I want. And so yeah. I'm there. Sometimes cool. I have like meetings with my therapist where I'm just like, I'm good. <laughs> and she <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, I'm glad. Like, you yeah. know, it's good to have days. Yeah, like it is that. good to have. I feel like I, I feel yeah. like that's a really smart way to think about it too. I don't know. I feel like I'm still I have to keep reminding myself. I moved to Austin literally on January 1st, so it's been almost exactly six months, and I have to keep, like, reminding myself that that's not a lot of time, and that I'm still no. very much, like, adjusting to stuff. Uh, yeah, you haven't had a full year. Yeah. You don't know what the weather is like. Mm -hmm. You don't know I don't have, like, who your friends are. I don't are. have a full routine yet, but it f I I'm, like, a person yeah. that has really bad emotional object permanence, so it's in my brain, I'm just like, it's been forever. What do you mean? Why would I feel weird? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh... Wonderful. Uh, I, so thank you so much for sharing all yeah. this with us, with me. I'm trying to think of if I had another thing I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to talk about comics. Mm -hmm. I'm oh, but that's like that's the thing I wanted to mention is soon I'll have to rebalance drawing right. a graphic novel. Yeah, in my schedule. that's very time intensive. Yeah, we'll have to figure out what I what I get rid of, what mm -hmm. I move around, what I shift. So I'm really excited about that. I'm yeah. really excited. I want to draw comics so bad. Mm -hmm. It is really I I have uh 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 my boss if you're listening no you aren't. Um I Ooh. I usually draw at work because um the way my job is set up in the back half of the afternoon I'm usually just taking phone calls. Um so I can sort of just like draw while I wait for people to call us and that has mm -hmm. genuinely been so freeing. <laughs> like <laughs> to, to sort of I yeah I'm I'm kind of planning to to draw in class because I have a plenty of days and because I'm an art right. teacher I have plenty of days where the kids are making art yeah. and I'm like I could be making art <laughs> yeah, yeah that's actually I think that's sweet I feel like uh if I, I I don't I feel like if my art teacher was like actively working while I was working I'd be really into that <laughs> like yeah yeah I think I think they would like that it does mean. Uh, I feel like a lot of comic books, comic artists can have like a 
like really intense setups. It does mean I need to figure out a setup that's like very chill yeah. that I can just carry around. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I'm uh, I'm excited. I want to be chill. I'm desperate to be mm-hmm. chill. <laughs> it's so important to be chill. <laughs> it is. Just be cool, everyone. Be cool. Be cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, it was so lovely to chat yeah, with thank you. you. Um, I think this was like a a really good episode to mm-hmm. do because I just you went through you've gone through a lot this past year. Yeah, it's good to go over. It, it. It's been a really intense, yeah. honestly, couple of years. It's been a really intense, yeah. but I feel like I feel like everything has really shifted in a very positive way. Um, which is yeah, it, nice. it does. It sounds good. Yeah, I'm happy to yeah. hear. That. Uh, that seems like that was our conclusion. Do you have any other conclusive, uh, thoughts? No, that's it. I mean, um, cool. be gentle to yourselves, y'all. <laughs> it's... Yeah, be nice to yourself. It ain't worth yeah, it. Yeah, the world, people, no, like, we, we live in such terrible, oppressive systems. Like, you don't need to also put your own boot on your neck. Just... <laughs> Yow. Be gentle with yourself. Um, so if you ever want to uh, email us, uh, we will uh, read emails mm-hmm. on our podcast episodes. Uh, you can email us at drawingadialogue at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. It also, so it's just the name of the podcast at gmail.com. And I want to... Anything else you want to add about letters before I thank everyone? Oh, no, I mean, uh, like we said last time, uh, if part of those letters can also be, if there's like a particular topic you're interested in us talking about, tell us. That'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And topic. And if there's anything you want us to revisit, um, if you're curious about new information on, uh, please let us know. Yeah. We, we would love to hear that. Um, so thank you to Downtown Boys uh, for the use of their song Wave of History. It's off their album Full Communism. Uh, you can buy it off their band camp. And I want to say, uh, Victoria, mm-hmm. the singer from uh, Downtown Boys, uh, is like, uh, I believe she's a public defender now. Ooh, lawyer. wow. Lawyer for the people. Mazel tov. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can go to comicarted.com. Mm-hmm. It's where this website, this podcast, drawingadialogue.com. I like that you're doing all of the, the back matter so I don't have to say you, any of it. You talked a lot. <laughs> this I, I was watching it. You talked for like 45 minutes. I appreciated it. Uh, but you can, you can do that. You can go to comicarted.com. Uh, and that's my education work. I've been doing a lot of workshops at libraries. It's been really fun. I just really love teaching about comic books. It's just the best. Um, I there's I there's probably not going to be any citation for this podcast, but if you're doing any research for anything, uh, remember to if you're curious about um any sort of topics, uh, we have full citation mm-hmm. on all our episodes on drawingadialogue.com. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead and make that part of your stop. Yeah. To, for research. So do you, uh, where can people follow? Oh, you? right. They Remus. can follow me. I'm on Twitter at uh, Remus Maurice, R-E-M-U-S-M-A-U-R-I-C-E. And I am on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Kathy G. John. That's C-A-T-H-Y-G-J-O-H-N. And the podcast is on Twitter at Draw a Dialogue because drawing was too long. <laughs> yes. The podcast is also on Draw a Dialogue. Absolutely. 
And a Twitter is also a good way to talk yeah. to us. I, I check it regularly. Yeah. So if you want to have a question or a thought, uh, send it our way. For sure. Uh, so what are you reading, Remus? Oh, great question. Um, so you recently gave me actually a list of like a bunch of BL. To I check did out. a boys love manga. Yeah, so I yeah. started um, Kimiwa Natsu no Naka, which is the uh, I want to hold on. Let me check the list. It's the My Summer of You, which is really cute. I haven't gotten super far in it yet, but I like. I think Aww. the character. I I am such a sucker for like the straight the. Th- freaking like blonde hair black haired like yeah <laughs> this is uh i was like which one are you reading and i was like oh you're reading just like the most chill just a little just love the story. little love story is so good to me um and yeah. i also want to quickly shout out i'm reading a book called uh for this is for my dissertation a book called selfie aesthetics by uh nicole morse who is a uh, professor actually at fau which is another school in florida and her, it's about um, how trans feminine people and trans women use selfies as like uh, a, like a mm. way of like building community and like identity and stuff. And it's really, really good and interesting. Um, and it's super cool to see someone like very seriously theorizing um, that kind of stuff because it is often sort of overlooked. So it's really good. Sounds mm-hmm. great. And what are you reading, Kathy? Um, so the uh, inevitable has happened, as I was expecting when I last time we talked and I read off three titles that I was reading. <laughs> I am still reading the same books that I was reading <laughs> last time we talked uh, because I'm a very slow reader because I mm-hmm. like I read I, I read every morning. I, now that it's warm enough, I sit out on my porch and I drink my morning coffee and I read for like an hour or two oh, that every morning. Oh, so nice. I like am obsessed with just sitting outside and reading Remus. I just think about sitting inside and reading. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just think about it. Um, I just want to be outside. Uh, um, so I'm reading that Iris Murdoch mm-hmm. book that we talked about. I think it's like Nuns and Sh- Soldiers, which I has been over a year that I've been uh, reading this book. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I just passed like a uh, hundred pages. Nice. Like I'm not. Even- <laughs> And it's like a, it's like a, I don't know, 700 pages. I got a... So like... Oh, sorry. I'm spending my time with yeah, it. Yeah, I was just going to say like, I used, to, I read, I'm like a fast reader. I just, um like when I was a kid, like when I was right. a kid, I was one of those people that would like read a book a day or whatever. It turns out reading stuff slowly kind of rules. <laughs> like, I love it. I used, I'm, too, I'm, I'm I like teaching it. myself to be very patient with that. But it's like, it's kind of nice just to read like 20 pages of something and then move on with your day. You know, like... yeah. I'll read. I'll read two pages. Oh, wow, and then I'll be like, ah, uh. because I mean, Iris Murdoch. Here's the thing: I like reading dense literary fiction, right. and so like two pages is like those are me. Yeah. You know, because uh, it's not just a story that's being told to me. It's like uh, it's like got so much mm-hmm. going on. It's beautiful, philosophical. Um. I don't know what else um, I've been consuming. Um, I'm trying to think of other books because uh, uh, historically, what are we reading wasn't necessarily a section that was only for books. Um, so I'm trying to think of another. Oh, I know what I want to talk about. I have been obsessed with this. Uh, I discovered a Turkish band. So if you know me, you know that I don't do Spotify. Right. I like refuse to do Spotify. I think they're evil. I think they're doing horrible things to the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of 
sort of shakes out to me not really listening to pop music, popular right. music. I only listen to music on if I own the CD, the radio, or Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. I'll get stuff off of Bandcamp a- anytime because Bandcamp, uh, the money goes directly to the small label right. or uh, the band itself. Um, big Bandcamp fan. We say Bandcamp every episode because <laughs> yeah. uh, we tell you to go watch, listen to Downtown Boys on Bandcamp. Um, so I discovered this uh, Turkish band called Lalalar, L-A-L-A-L-A-R. Ah. Um, and I cannot stop listening to this <laughs> band. <laughs> they have a new album called By Sinete Bakar. Mm-hmm. And it, the album cover art is like it has like flames and like a molotov cocktail and nice. like uh a fence um i'm just gonna how bananas is it to just play some music for you i'm just gonna play you music off of my phone oh. that's, what, that's what we're <laughs> okay, doing yeah now. go for it why not oh i cannot hear that bud you gotta get close There we go. All right, yeah. <laughs> That's the band I'm obsessed wow. with. So you should go, uh, <laughs> you should go get this band. <laughs> They're called La La Lar, L A L A L A R, La La Lar. Love that's a fun yeah. band name to say. I know they're delightful. I I, I blast it <laughs> when I'm driving. I am blasting. It sounds like a very sexy video game to me. Mm. I I te- I sent them to Ross, and Ross was like, "This sounds like the rave. Like I want to dance." In that rave scene in The Matrix, and I was Ooh, like, "That is yeah. exactly." What I was gonna say it feel it, it does feel very cinem- cinema talk- cinematographic. Yeah. How, how do you Cin- say that? Cinemagraphic? Cinegraphic? I don't know. You know what I mean, though. It's yeah. what it feels like. Yeah, it's really large and heavy. Yeah, I'm very into yeah. it. Um, so, so. Uh, thank you for ge- letting me uh, play that mm-hmm. for you. And we'll see how much ends up on the cutting room floor. That's all right. We can edit some of that out. <laughs> um, and thank you for listening to Drawing a Dialogue. Uh, my name is Kathy G. Johnson. I'm just going to edit everything out except the Turkish song. And we're just going to release like a, a five second episode. <laughs> I'm Remus Jackson. Solidarity for Bye. <laughs>